Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Melanie C. and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, September 28, 2017 and this is the 10 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today we are reading from the big book and we are on page 151, the last paragraph, now and then a serious drinker and this is chapter 11, a vision for you. Today's readers are The 12 Steps, Rocky I, The 12 Traditions, Kristen O, and reading the text today is Ashley P and Robin B. The reference numbers. The reference number, which we call the share ID number, for yesterday, Thursday, September 27th at 10 a.m. meeting is 10,480. For today, the 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting, the share ID for that meeting is 10484, 10,484, and that would be for this morning, September 28, Thursday, 2017. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or, or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a vision for you big book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Rocky I to read the 12 steps. Good morning. Can I be heard? Yes. Okay. So this is Rocky recovered in Tempe, Arizona. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our life over to the care of God as we understood Him. Three, four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, ourselves, and another human being, the exact nature of our lungs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continue to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. So through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, 
praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our efforts. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Rocky. I I will now ask Kristen O to please read the 12 traditions. Good morning. This is Kristen O, Recovering Compulsive Overeater from California. The 12 traditions. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Number two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. And I will pass. Thank you for letting me be of service. Thank you, Kristen O. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muting. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 151, the last paragraph, which begins with now and then a serious drinker, and our focus will be on a single paragraph today. And I'll ask Ashley P. to get us going with the reading and the share. Good morning, Ashley. Good morning. Can I be heard? Yes. Okay, great. 
Um, this is Ashley P. Recovered in Northern California. <clears throat> now and then, a serious drinker being dry at the moment says, I don't miss it at all. Feel better. Work better. Having a better time. As ex-problem drinkers, we made we, we smile at such a sally. We know our friend is like a boy whistling in the dark to keep us to keep up his spirits. He fools himself. Inwardly, he would give anything to take half a dozen drinks and get away with them. He will presently try the old game again, for he isn't happy about his sobriety. He cannot picture life without alcohol. Someday he will be unable to imagine life either with or without it. Then he will know loneliness, such as few do. He will be at the jumping off place. He will wish for the end. Um, uh, uh, Melanie, if you could set a timer for me, that would be super helpful. Um, and I just want to thank everybody for their service today and um, welcome the newcomers and any anyone who um, may be feeling new. Um, so to me, this this paragraph is is talking about being dry, um, which is something uh, I have a lot of uh, familiarity with. Um, I spent about um, six months, three years ago, uh, at when I was at a, a eating disorder treatment center in Southern California, um, being being dry and um, having a head full of of program and um, and and technically being abstinent um, and having a, a, a heart that just wanted to go back into the food literally at every minute. And so I was um, what people call white knuckling it, and and that's that's exactly what it felt like. It felt like just scratching at this um, 24/7. And um, I was in program, and I had a sponsor, and I had commitments at meetings, and um, I was actually working on building my own meeting at the time. Um, so, you know, so back then I thought, you know, I'm doing all of this right. What's what's the problem? And for for those that maybe um, are have a lot of those things, are going to face to face meetings and have a sponsor, um, but but still feel the um, unhappy and, and the old desire to to eat. The, the problem for me was were two things. Um, I wasn't being honest. I wasn't telling people I'm, I still really feel screwed up and, and I, uh, I don't really know what's going on. I, I wanted to look a certain way. I wanted people to think that I was recovering. I wanted people to think that I was better. So I, I wasn't, I wasn't, being honest and where with the people around me and where I really wasn't being honest was that I wasn't really working the steps. You know, I would do some writing here and I would do some reading there with my sponsor, but I wasn't, I wasn't really in it. And, and when I would answer questions, I wasn't being honest about them. And so, you know, for me, working the steps today is being rigorously, rigorously honest. And, and that's uncomfortable. A lot of the time, I don't want my sponsor to know, uh, that I have these crazy thoughts in my head and that I um, am worried about what I look like and, and how much I weigh and uh, what you think of me and, and, you know, some of the character defects that I still struggle with over committing. Um, but I tell her because I, I, I know about the relief that I'll get. And um, so this, you know, this paragraph can seem depressing, <laughs> but it's not because at the end of it, it says, um, 
Then he will know loneliness such as few do. He will be at the jumping off place. He will wish for the end. And, and that sounds a little scary, I admit, especially for somebody like me who has a history with suicidal ideation. But, but the truth is that that, that place, that place of um, desperate loneliness and, and that place of wishing for the end, that's, that's the place where um, bottom becomes working the program. Um, so I, about uh, a year and a half ago, I was visiting my, my parents in Wisconsin and, and I, I wished for an end and a bottom that where my life wouldn't just end, but I would actually do the work for it to get better. So I, I wish that for everybody today, if, if you're struggling and um, thank you and I pass. Thank you, Ashley P. We are reading you. page 151. The last paragraph, now and then a serious drinker. Would anyone like to comment on that paragraph? John K. Reggie. Margie. Reggie. And Laura. Wendy M. Wendy. Carrie S. Carrie. Carrie. Thank you. Sounds good. We have John K., Reggie O., Laura G., Wendy M., and Carrie S. John Kay, you want to lead us out, please? Sure. Thanks, Melanie. This is John Kieran, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Los Angeles. Um, you know, I'm pretty sure what they're talking about here is uh, to those people who give up their substance but without a program. And, you know, I always say lots of luck. <laughs> you know, for most of us uh, here in this program, that had a name. It was called the diet. You know, I know because I was on a lot of them before a program. And, I remember when I was new to program, I would tell my story and I'd say, you know, I was on every diet before I came here and none of them worked. And then after a little while, I realized, no, that's not true. I was on every diet and they all worked once. Because, you know, I'm a smart person, good little student. You give me the course curriculum, I'll follow it. But, you know, I'm also an addict. And, and so after I followed that diet for a while, the addict part of my brain would start looking for the loopholes, you know, and then it wouldn't work. And... You know, the same was actually true when I came to OA. You know, when I came in, I was blessed with this grace abstinence, and it was easy and effortless. And what did I do? Well, I gave it away. <laughs> and then what? Well, then it wasn't easy the next time. Uh, and I realized I had a classic OA story. It was easy the first time, and then it wasn't easy. And I think it's because my first time in OA was just another diet, you know. And, uh, you know. I think this paragraph says, you know, sure, you can put the food down. You can even lose weight. Heck, you can even lose all your weight. But will it stay off? And also, will your whole attitude and outlook on life change so you won't want to eat, overeat, and will you be? And you'll be happy. You know, I, <clears throat> I'm guessing if all you're doing is going to meetings and talking about your life, it won't. You know, meetings are great for identification and camaraderie, but if you want the problem to be removed, root and branch, if, if we want to live those 10-step promises about the food, we got to get to the 10-step, you know, and that involves rolling up our sleeves and following the uh, simple instructions in this book, you know. Simple but not easy, as they say, you know. I, I mentioned that above scenario a little because, you know, uh, the kind of meeting we're on now is markedly different than a lot of the meetings I, I've been to around the country and some of the ones I go to here, you know. You know, I tend to call those meetings group therapy meetings. You know, Harlan calls it dieting with group support, and Lori calls them the soap opera. You know, and sadly, these type of meetings, you know, are what a lot of people know. It's all they know. And, and, you know, I wouldn't criticize them if they work, but what I've seen at these meetings are people who just spend time talking about their programs, problems, and, and not availing themselves of the solution. And, you know, 
And I'll go to those meetings and hear the same people talk about the same problems I heard them speak about five years ago, you know, because at the end of the day, you know, nothing changes if nothing changes. And that's what I, why I think so often I hear on this meeting and the other meetings in, in Vision for You, I was in OA for years and couldn't get abstinent until I found Vision for You. And, and I really believe that this meeting is markedly different than a lot of the meetings around the country. And I think the key to this meeting, if I had to guess, if I had to analyze it, is I love when they say in the beginning, make sure your share is directly linked to what was read. I think it keeps mm-hmm. it from being a group therapy meeting. Boy, I wish they'd add that to the formats in a lot of places around here. Anyway, you know, thank God today we have that simple toolbox. And, and you know what? We have it open right now. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, John Kay. Reggie, oh, you're next. Hey, good morning, Melanie. Can you hear me? I can. Great. <clears throat> Great. Well, boy, I can certainly relate to this big paragraph. Uh, being dry at the moment. Um, you know, I, it makes me, this makes me think of this definition that I've heard in, in the rooms over the years of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. <clears throat> and in between, there was a time many years ago when I was, uh, when I was recovered and I was working the steps and I, I know I was recovered because the compulsion was completely lifted for me, and I never thought I would eat compulsively again. I was working the steps through a walls. You know, they weren't a part of program. weren't a part of program at that time. It was outside program, even though mostly program would do it. Were doing it. So I, you know, I, I had some pretty good recovery, but I never heard or made the connection that the working and the continual working of the steps was the key to that compulsion being relifted and. Uh, and how my abstinence was significant to the working of the steps and the continuum of the steps was significant to my continued abstinence. So, you know, I eventually uh, went out there and let it go, and it took me, oh, my gosh, so many years to come back. And over those years, um, over those years, I could, um, you know, I could have a day, I could have three weeks, I could have three months, you know, but I never knew what it was going to be. And the number of times that I have binged the night before and awakened the following morning thinking, really believing, you know, I know that this is going to be the day that I'll never eat compulsively again. And I really believed it. And that was the insanity. And I can look back on it and know it was insane because I bet, you know, I I want to, I, I could possibly say thousands, but I can certainly say that there were hundreds of days that I had that same thought after a binge the night before, or after three days. You know, I just wake up. I know today is the day, and uh, it was crazy making. And I've never been suicidal, but there have been times. Um, there have been times when I've eaten compulsively that I would go to bed and, as somebody mentioned before, have the ideation. I would just imagine myself, you know, being smashed or you know, being killed in some manner to relieve the, uh, to relieve the obsession, as it, as it, the, the craziness, the compulsion, the misery, the pain. And, uh, you know, the only, I, I guess I'm so grateful for this meeting because it's, you know, it shows me, it teaches me, I listen every day, the same truth path, you know. I need to be abstinent to work the steps, and I need to work the steps for the rest of my life to be recovered and to live, you know, that happy, joyous, and free life that um, this vision, um, that this chapter talks about. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Reggie O. Laura G., you're next. Thanks. Thanks for your service. Uh, it's Laura G., compulsive overeater. Um, when I read or when I hear the or when I see the um, the part that says I don't miss it at all 
I think about all the times that, um, you know, I, I hear and I say the phrase uh, one moment at a time sometimes because beyond the moment feels sometimes excruciating uh, to try not to um, have the behavior. And where it says feel better, work better, having a better time, uh, that's how you feel or that's how I feel when I go from moment to moment and it's not happening and I'm not in the, in the problem. Um, so I think that it's all ego and, um, I feel like, Oh, I'm doing it. You know, it's so great. I don't miss it at all. <coughs> I like how it talks about, um, how the, the recovered person is smiles at such a Sally because they know, they know that it's, it's an illusion and you're just kidding yourself. There's, you know, somebody that's saying, oh, yeah, I don't miss it at all. I feel better, work better. Yeah. Until those feelings subside and then you are back or then I am back in that place that uh, has all my life been a big lie. Like that sugar and um, behavior is not, it's not bringing any peace or any joy to my life, but Anyway, it's just a very conflicting uh, paragraph for me because I know it, like, really well. And um, where it says he cannot fit your life without it, it's the truth. I just I just can't and I don't, and that's why I constantly go back. So um, the paragraph is, um, uh, it shows the power of it, of the problem, and uh, I can relate to it completely. Thanks, I pass. Thank you, Laura G. Wendy M. Yes, good morning, Wendy M. Gratefully recovered in Colorado, and thank you all for your service this morning. Um, so, I, I, yeah, I want to comment on a few things here. Um, the first is being dry. So I was dry for 15 years. I probably went to four or five meetings at least a week, sponsored. I sometimes was a keynote speaker, and I was dry. And you only know what you only know. I had no idea um, that that was the case. And I am so grateful um, to be on this line and to be part of a big book study and vision uh, because I'm having – I had a transformation when I got entirely abstinent. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a different world than being dry. It's a, it's a, it's a different world. That's all I can say. Um, and then I don't miss it at all. I feel better. I work better. Yeah, I lost all my weight, you know, pretty quickly. I'm looking good. I'm pretty sure I've got it licked. I've got this thing. Um, so looking good is actually a, kind of a dangerous thing. And then um, it says he fools himself. Of course I fooled myself. I had to get the food in. I had to get it in. There was really no choice. I had, to, I had to get it in, and I had to fool myself every time. I had to lie to myself constantly, which is an incredibly stressful thing to be doing to yourself all the time. And we sometimes don't know the lie from the truth. And then my favorite is inwardly he would give anything to take half a dozen drinks and get away with them. And I used to say that with friends in OA all the time. What are my getaway with foods? What are my getaway with um, behaviors? Um, you know, and, and today I don't have to get away with anything. I have freedom from getting away with anything. That's unbelievable. Um, 
And and we used to joke with friends, like, I'll have a bowl of cereal. Well, it could be a vat of cereal. That would be getting away. Or a salad. If I called it a salad, it didn't matter what was inside that bowl. It was still a salad because I had to get away with it. Um, and the no sugar added blended drinks that I used to drink because it said no sugar at the, you know, the front of it said no sugar, right, the name of it. And so let's go for it. Why not? You know, nutrition bars. I mean, I made up stuff constantly, um, and I was not happy. I was not free. I had no freedom. Um, you know, and today I don't have to get away with food. And how about getting away with behaviors, right, like treating people horribly and no consequences. It's just like the food. What can I get away with? How can I treat you poorly? And today, the minute I'm treating you poorly or I'm sending you a text that has tons of motives in it and and I'm after something, what can you get me? What can you give me? Um, It feels awful. God's like, this is going to feel awful right now, and you're going to undo the behavior. Um, So I don't do the get away with. And if I do, I clean it up so quickly because it's so excruciatingly painful. It's just like being in the, in the food. Thank you so much, and I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Wendy M. Carrie S. Good morning. This is Carrie S., gratefully recovered in Golden, Colorado. Then he will know loneliness such as few do. He will be at the jumping-off place. He will wish for the end. So for me, I... I yeah, I couldn't control my emotional nature. I was prey to misery and depression. I was unhappy. And and if you're at this place, the bedevilments, if you're there in this terror, bewilderment, in this frustration and despair where I was, then keep listening to these meetings. I just remember when I first started listening to Vision three years ago when I was new in program, I didn't, I just was like, these people, they're all recovered. I don't understand how they sound so happy, joyous, and free. It it made me so frustrated sometimes to listen, but my higher power really endeavored and kept drawing me back to listening. And so today that I'm not in untreated food addiction and and I'm not dry anymore. I, I remember one day where my sponsor was like, you are white knuckling this. You're not abstinent. And and I it had this aha moment. I was like, white knuckling it. What are you talking about? I'm doing everything that you're telling me to do. I'm I'm checking off all these boxes. You know, I'm calling three people a day. I'm going to all these meetings. I started a meeting. I'm doing everything I think I should do. She's like, you sound miserable. You're you're white knuckling it. So I didn't know what I didn't know. And, you know, today I, I have such a relief around food. It is, doesn't talk to me anymore. It doesn't call to me anymore. And it is all simply working these steps and, and listening to that inner voice, that intuition that keeps me honest, keeps me sane. And now I can be of real help to others. And I'm not in fear, a resentment, I'm not unhappy, I'm not useless, and um, just so grateful to be out of the food and grateful to be willing to share my experience, strength, and hope. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Carrie S. For those that just joined us, we'd like to let you know that we're on page 151 of the big book, Chapter 11, A Vision for You, and we are studying today 
our shared focus on the last chapter, now and then a serious drinker. It's opened up for anybody that would like to comment on that paragraph with their experience. Thomas, Marie have you? Jay? Jill Thomas, have you? Dorita P. Jill S. Okay, I have, um, who do I have here? Donna W., Marie J., Dorita, and Jill S. And then I hear Christy. Christy G. Sherry KB. Sherry KB. Those that have already mentioned their name, if you could go ahead and star one, they'll take care of that crackly sound. Who after Sherry KB? Anyone else? Okay, sounds like we got it this round. So I have a Marie, Dorita, Jill, Chrissy, and Sherry KB. Want to start us off, Marie? Star one, Marie. Hi there. Marie J here. Sorry. <laughs> I was muted. Um, recovered in Colorado. And uh, this, this white-knuckle abstinence thing reminds me of something I'm just learning, going more depth on right now, and that's compliance versus surrender. And this idea of compliance, you know, when I was new in program, I was, I was compliant. I did what I was told. And I, was, I uh, did it with some reservation. And it, it was kind of like a false surrender. It wasn't really willing. And it didn't have, you know, uh, a lot of joy around it. I just did what I was told because I was afraid I was going to lose something I had or not get something I wanted. And I was kind of fooled by it because I really felt like I was surrendered. And I was... Oh, it looks like we lost Marie. One of those fade out moments. Dorita P., would you get ready to go ahead and share? And we'll see what we can get back to um, Marie in just a moment. Dorita P.? Yes. Hi, this is Dorita P. You ready for me? I am. Thanks. Okay. Thank you. My name is Dorita P. from Cleveland, and I'm really grateful to be here. And so I shared on the, uh, well, 8 o'clock meeting, and I I just kind of want to share the same thing for people who are, you know, depressed. I know I was depressed for years and years, and I just want to share on this last, part, uh, well, about, um, see, he's not happy about his sobriety. Uh, he cannot picture life without alcohol. Someday he will be able to, will be unable to imagine life either with or without it. Um, and he will be at a jumping off place. I was literally at a jumping off place. Um, and I'll tell my sua, uh, I used to say suicide story. Um, but if it was a suicide story, I wouldn't be here to tell it. But my suicidal story, I um, was at my mom's house in the other room, the, the next room, and I was uh, packing up clothes. Uh, my niece had always been a little smaller than me, and I was constantly growing out of my clothes, So I, uh, I and I would give them to my niece. And I would do this maybe two or three times a year probably, um, so this particular time, I was packing up clothes, uh, two or three garbage bags of clothes, and uh, then I started packing up things that was important to me, like uh, my father's pictures. Uh, he had been, uh, he he he. Well, he died. He was dead, and I only had a few of his pictures, but I was packing those up, and 
jewelry, jewelry that I still wear. And it just crossed my mind. It wasn't something I thought about a day before or even an hour before, but just that split second, I thought, I guess I thought to myself, you know, you're so miserable, why don't you kill yourself? And I was going to drive my brand new car off a bridge uh, somewhere and uh, but that very evening, uh, I was taken to my first twelve step uh, meeting, and it was uh, another fellowship uh, for people with emotional problems. And so I'm just really grateful that I didn't have to do that. Um, but I know uh, several people who have done that, and they just felt so hopeless. You know, they didn't see any beauty in life, and I was there. So I'm just really grateful for this program because. Uh, I feel like I'm not even supposed to be here, so I'm grateful every day. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thanks, Dorita P. Marie J., if you're still there, you have about 90 seconds left. you want to go with that? Oh, thanks. I got disconnected. Thanks, uh, Marie J., recovered in Colorado. So anyway, I w- I'm, I'm looking into this compliance versus surrender because I feel like in the beginning I I was really compliant. I did what I I did what I was told to do, but it had reservation with it. And that's how white-knuckle abstinence feels. And even though I was making progress and I lost 80 pounds, I got fooled by it. I got deceived by my own compliance, thinking that I was fully surrendered. And now today, and I had to, I mean, I had to go through what I went through. You know, it's all part of the, the process. But today, um, you know, surrender feels like, when God reveals character defect to me or a lack I don't go into morbid reflection. I jump in with joy to look at it, like to really sink in and go, what is this ugliness and what is it that I need to look at and be rigorously honest so that I can give it up to God, turn it over and amends I need to make. And when I feel like I can't live without peanut butter, which me a few years ago like how am I going to give up peanut butter and and just like in this paragraph he just couldn't see how he could live without alcohol I couldn't see how I could live without peanut butter even in weighed and measured small amounts and when I willingly and joyfully jumped in and surrendered the peanut butter oh my god the the freedom the miracles that happen when I can jump in and be fully surrendered is 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 just it's just miraculous so i'm so grateful every day for this book and every little bit that it teaches me about about how to fully sink in and surrender thanks i pass you're welcome jill s you're next star one hi good morning this is jill s in san diego and this is the first time i've shared since listening to vision for you for some months so thank you all for your service. Um, this paragraph really spoke to me about not only white knuckling, but for me, what I've gone through for almost 10 years, um, living in, in what I used to tell a lot of people, breathing in program. Um, I would breathe it in, but I don't think I ever really um, put it out there in terms of true surrender. And since Vision for You, I have learned so much about my character defects that I kept hidden so that I could stay what I was believing in control. Um, I, too, have been someone that has used and I believed effectively used um, recovery program, all the lingo, 
to really be in a support group that allowed me to stay in some type of dieting frame of mind. And I'm, I'm here to share for any newcomer that's on the call, it just doesn't work. And um, I chuckled just now listening to that point in time when I had to go, oh my God, what's going to happen if I give up potato chips? Like, I can't do this. And it really brought me to my soul in a way I've never experienced before to think that I am that sick and I still, though, have the potential to be that recovered, to have that awareness because of what I'm learning here in Vision for You has truly opened up a life to me over the past few months that all the things that I said about recovery are actually happening now because there is a relationship to something much greater than I that I call God that never existed before for me in program. And so when I think about white knuckling, I think about all the white knuckling relationships that I've entered into over the past 10 years under the guise of recovery. And I don't beat myself up about it. I just say, thank you, God, for letting me get it. Get it today and just go through the day with the help that I keep getting on this call and the experience that I keep hearing on this call. And and for me, the last thing I'll share that this paragraph reminded me of is as I've started to really embrace and surrender every day that I hear your stories and your stories are my stories and the shame gets lifted. And for me, as the shame has lifted, the freedom keeps showing up more and more. So this paragraph has been my life um, in program over the past 10 years. And I thank you all so much for doing the service. I am unbelievably grateful to the chance to go to New Jersey a couple of weeks ago and live it versus hear it, and on that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Jill S. Chrissy G., are you there? Star one, your turn. Hi, it's Chrissy G., Recovered Compulsive Overeater and Anorexic from New Jersey. And I've, this was a very powerful meeting. Thank you to everybody. I um, had a conversation with someone today who's struggling and I talk to a lot of people as I'm sure a lot of recovered people do to people who are struggling with um, giving up the food or staying stopped you know they can give it up but staying stopped and you know and, it, and it's this whole obsession with oh maybe it's because I'm eating uh, this food maybe I need to give up that food maybe you know analyzing it trying to analyze what what um what what thing what what magic maneuver it's going to be to get to that place where abstinence is easy and the good news and the bad news is that abstinence is not easy so you're not doing anything wrong if it feels difficult at first it's it's exactly the way it's supposed to feel so that's the good news and the bad news is that it doesn't feel good it doesn't feel good it's not supposed to be comfortable and there is a false bill of goods, I think, that, that we're sold in life as children that if you don't feel good, something's wrong. Not, not necessarily true all the time. Not feeling good means growing sometimes. It means growing beyond um, our child, childish ways, you know, the way to comfort myself 
was a very immature way. I would use food. I would use uh, manipulating other people to feel good instead of enduring and growing strong from an experience. And so now I'm here. I'm at a jumping off place for sure when I'm met with something that I need to give up and I don't want to give it up. And it starts with the food, but it just continues on because that's what this life is about. It's a journey of giving up things that no longer serve me. And it just starts with the food. And and I know that it's never uncomfortable, but it's always worth it. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Chrissy G. Sherry KB, you're next. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, everybody. This is Sherry KB in Northern California, Grateful Recovery Compulsive Bear Reader. Thank you for your service, Melanie, and everybody on the line. Welcome all the newcomers. Um, you know, here it's talking about a serious drinker and someone who is dry, which to me immediately when I think someone's dry, that means that they're in program and they're white-knuckling it and they're not working the steps. That's what I think of as someone who's dry. Um uh, that doesn't have a, 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 they haven't solved the problem um, or worked with people who've had solved the problem because it's a spiritual malady here. And so, but, you know, I remember so many times trying to fool myself, um, and I love this when it says, and we smile at such a Sally, which <laughs> I love these words. Um, Sally means remark, outburst, quick witted response from a defensive position. So, you know, when I was white-knuckling it and I wasn't using the steps and I didn't know that I had a twofold illness, that I, I had an allergy of the body, an obsession of the mind, I put down the food, but I had helped the allergy of the body, but the obsession of the mind I could never help by myself. Um, I, had, I needed far more than human aid. I needed a higher power. I needed to be in these steps. And then it says here, inwardly he would give anything to take half a dozen drinks and get away with them. He will presently try the old game again for he isn't happy about his sobriety so that tells me again they haven't done this work they haven't done the steps they haven't worked in this book they haven't connected with a power greater than themselves because that you know living with or without is a miserable place to be because you know i've been absent and so miserable but i didn't know that i had a twofold illness and that the answer was in this book and that you know the ego was the one that tried to keep me abstinent when that was actually the voice of my disease. And so getting in this work, you know, I don't have to be lonely anymore. I can connect with a power greater than myself, 100% rely on that higher power, stay abstinent, work the steps, work in a group. We just started a group in Northern California. We just started last night a, a, a group a workshop on the big book. And if you're in Northern California, come on down and join our group. It's Wednesday night, 730 to 8, excuse me, eight, 7 to 830 is that I pass things. Thank you, Sherry KB. We have time, it looks like, for at least two more people to comment on this paragraph, paragraph four, the last paragraph on 151. Anyone out there want to talk about that, about their experience on that particular paragraph? Star one. Hi, this is Mary. Hi, this is Nancy P. I heard a Mary, I think, and then a Nancy P. Yes. Nancy T, yep. maybe. We'll go with those two for now and see what happens. Thanks. First semester of her last name, Mary? I didn't quite catch it. T. T, like Paul. Okay, great. Thank you. You're yeah. on. 
I'm just so grateful that I heard the words that I heard this morning. I've never really thought about my disease being so similar, more similar than I already thought or knew, um, but being like a dry drunk. And so um, I'm just so grateful um, to hear those words because it is really true. Without the steps, I would be a dry drunk. And so I'm working the steps again and again and again, and I'm so grateful because it has become the most incredible bright spot of my day to make outreach calls, receive outreach calls, and to continue to pass this message along to face-to-face meetings. But truly, without the steps, I would be a dry drunk. Oh, my goodness, I don't want to be a dry drunk. I lived with a dry drunk. My dad died of the disease of alcoholism. I don't want to die of the disease of overeating, nor do I want to look like a dry drunk. So thank you for the continued awareness, and I'm such a grateful student that I passed. Thanks, Mary P. Nancy T., you're next. Hi, this is Nancy P. in Northern California. And I really appreciate everything I'm hearing on the meeting this morning. Um, I've been listening to the meetings um, I don't know, probably for six months now. And I, I'm i so grateful for this meeting um, and all the service of the individuals who keep it going. And I'm still struggling to get out of the food. Um, I'm finding, I think as it said in the literature, that I, or something like this, that I am feeling like I can't live with it and or I don't want to live without it and can't live with it so I don't know if that makes any sense um and I was in another 12-step food program and I we didn't work the steps and I was in compliance as somebody else said but not uh, I was miserable and I had a lot of weight loss success. I felt in some ways very superior. I don't have a timer, too, by the way, so I hope someone's keeping time. Melanie, hopefully you do. Um, so eventually I broke my abstinence and dove head, you know, head first into the food again. And I felt in so many ways after... Being in the food again, it took me, I guess, four years to finally get back to OA. I've been in and out of it for years, and I've never found the kind of program or the kind of meetings that I'm getting through listening to A Vision for You in the mornings. And I'm so grateful for that, and it's taken me four years to come back. I kind of felt in some degrees like I had PTSD from that other program. It took me a long time to find any kind of willingness to come back. And, shoot, I'm still struggling with the mental obsession over Diet Cokes that my sponsor wanted me to give up. Um, they became my higher power. I kept thinking, you know, Diet Cokes, really? There's no sugar in that. But, you know, her thinking about it is nothing that's, um, you know, that's... Uh, substitutes for sugar, I guess. I'm not quite sure I really understand it, but I'm complying with it. And I've been abstinent from what I like to call recreational sugar, um, 
because I had been still using uh, like Splenda's and sugar substitutes, but uh, not being in white sugar and other varieties of sugar for about a year and a half now. Thank you. And I just wanted to chime in. It's been the first time I've ever shared on this meeting. and I'm really grateful for it. So I'm praying that I find abstinence. So thank you for letting me share. You're welcome. Thanks, Nancy T. Would someone like to take the last two minutes to cap off this recorded meeting? H. Hi, Katrine. You got it. Sure. Hi, Melanie. Thank you for your work today, and thank everybody for putting on today's meeting. And um, it, it's been really interesting listening to to everybody's shares about this reading. And um, I'm very new in abstinence, as you guys probably know, since I keep reporting in every day and saying I have this many days. Um, what's interesting is I've been looking at, like, okay, is this a miracle? Is this is this God? You know, is this God's grace? Is this my surrender, or am I white knuckling it? And uh, because you know, I'm not I'm not 100 percent certain about that. And um, but I honestly feel like it's been actually good to hear what people have been saying because I don't feel miserable. I feel free. I feel excited. I feel. I feel, I don't know what the word, enthusiastic or something. Um, I never have been good at being compliant. Um, you know, I think that goes with being an addict, and I've just never been good at it. And so I've always sucked at any program that I had to be compliant at. And so I'm just so grateful. I don't know, you know, I'm I'm just deciding I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just going to be grateful for what I've been given and... Um, and keep working on the program and work all the steps and then uh, whatever happens will happen. So um, thank you again so much. I'm just so grateful for this program because I've never been able to attain any level of abstinence until now. And I will pass. Thanks, Millie. Thank you, Katrine. Appreciate the shares today. And thank you to everyone who shared today. We will now close our meeting with a reading from the big book on page 164, and we'll follow that by the serenity prayer. But just bear in mind that this is just closing out the recorded part of this meeting. We still have another 10 minutes of meeting to go, so stay around for that. Would Robin B. please read a vision for you? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. I sure would. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I'm Robin B., uh, recovered in Missouri. Um, By God's grace and for his glory, our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize that we, on, we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you could do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourselves to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.